This is Igris. We are looking at letters from exactly 50 years ago. We're back on track. It is Ches Tammuz in the letter. It's not Ches Tammuz today, but it's Ches Tammuz in the letter. Tav Shin Lamed Gimel. This letter is Yud. Tav Tav Yud Ches, um, which was written in Tammuz Tav Shin Lamed Gimel. The letter that is written to, this is a letter that is written to, if you look down at the bottom, Moshe Wolfson. Anybody know offhand Moshe Wolfson? If anybody knows him? He is and was. He was then and he still is the Mashkiach Ruchani Yeshiva's Teravidas. So Yeshiva Teravidas, he's their Mashkiach who handles their spiritual matters. So the Rebbe writes to him, Shalom Abracha. He said, I received a letter from you, and in there you asked for a bracha, and uh, I believe you sent a pan, and it's from Wednesday. With all of the suffixes, I will, in a proper time, read this pan at the Tzian of the Fidei Kareba. The Rebbe then says, Mudrachav is a strange usage of the word. But anyway, the Rebbe says, I've greatly enjoyed knowing, getting to know many of your students, many of your lofty students, many of those who you've, uh, who you've directed in life, uh, and may they be well. That it should be God's will that from them, their friend, from these, from these, uh, from these um, outstanding students of yours, their friends should see what they're like, and they too should become better, and everybody should be go. Oh, everybody should uh, together go up in Kedesh. Should the Rebbe's signature. So this is a very warm letter. The Rebbe writes an incredibly warm letter to someone who, at least on the surface, is not part of our camp. Not that the Rebbe doesn't write warmly to people who aren't from our camp, but this is a leader at a Litvish Yeshiva, for lack of a better term. Uh, Tereva Vadas always had a bit of a Hasidic leaning, as we'll talk about in a second. But the Rebbe's writing to a leader at a Litvish Yeshiva and telling him that I know your students, I know the people who you're having an impact on, and they impress me, I'm glad to know them, and I expect that they're going to positively influence others as well. And we also have a Litvish Rosh Yeshiva, Litvish Mashkiach Ruchani, writing to the Rebbe a pan. You're not just writing the Rebbe a letter, but writing the Rebbe a pidyon nefesh that is supposed to be read at the Tzian. We definitely have a unique relationship here that is a little bit surprising, at least to me. So we're going to spend some time looking into the relationship between the Rebbe and the Rebbe and uh, Rev Wolfson and Tereva Das in general. A little bit of a history lesson should be fun. So as I told you a second ago, Rabbi Wolfson was then the Mashkiach Ruchani Ater Vadas, and he still is. I can prove it. Check this out. Look, that's their faculty page. I have it on the screen, and there he is. You want to know what his face looks like? He is still on the faculty page. He had that job in 1973, and he still has the same job today. Uh, Ter Vadas is a storied institution in America. Those of us who uh, are from the New York or New York area know it well. Uh, some of the most well-known Litvish Gedolim were at one time or another a Rosh Yeshiva there showing you on the screen. Now, look at some of these names. Do you have any idea how many of the big names you've heard of were Rashi Yeshiva at, uh, at Teravadas? Just uh, right through, uh, Rav Shraga Feivel Mendelovich, who was the uh, basically the founder of From Muncie. I mean, he's the one who created Base Medrashelian, right? We have uh, Rav Ruben Grzovsky, another classic name in the literature circles. Rav Gedalia Shor, you have Rav Yakim Kamenetsky, uh, you have um, Rav Pam, you have Rav Belsky, these are, these are well-known names, and they all at one point or another were Rosh Yeshiva at Teravadas. I do want to uh, draw your attention, though, to one name that maybe only we're familiar with. Do you see over here in the far corner of the page, on the faculty page? Look at that. Meshe Dever Rifkin. Do people know Meshe Dever Rifkin? You don't have to tell me if you do or don't. I'll tell you all about him anyway. Um, he was born in 1891. He was an absolute genius. They say he was learning Gemara as early as age five, and he is one of ours. 
He learned in the original Temche Tememem in Lubavitch. He learned in Lubavitch itself under the Rebbe Rashab. He was a very close chassid to the Rebbe Rashab. He followed the Rebbe Rashab to Rastov, and he's the source of all of our stories about the Rebbe Rashab's histalkos. We don't have that written down anywhere else. He chronicled it down to the detail. Uh, he published a book of all the customs that he saw by the Rebbe Rashab. He's a, he was an authority, is an authority, was an authority on the Rebbe Rashab's uh, later life and on his customs. After the Istalkos, he didn't have a, he, I guess he didn't want to stay in Europe anymore. I don't know what he was thinking exactly, but he went to Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, he became the Rosh Hashiva of Teres Emes for four years. Uh, after four years in Eretz Yisrael, he was hired by Tere Vadas to come back to America in 1928 and run Tere Vadas. He was not a short-term Rosh Yeshiva there. He was there for 50 years. 50 years he was the Rosh Yeshiva Tere Vadas. Understand that that means that for the majority, I believe, close to the majority of the existence of Tere Vadas, it's Rosh Yeshiva was a Lubavitcher Chassid, not just any Lubavitcher Chassid, a close Chassid of the Rebbe Rashab, which is something I don't think most people know. While he was at Tere Vadas, he gave smicha to hundreds of Tamidim. Tere Vadas is not just an elementary school or even just a Masifta. It also has a Kailal. It has a smicha program. He gave smicha to hundreds of Tamidim. So, uh, hundreds and hundreds of Talmidim who went through Tere Vadas in the year, between the year 1928 and I guess 1976, if you got smicha there, you have a signature on your smicha from a Lubavitcher Rav. He had a close personal relationship. The, this is, uh, again, Rav Meshe Rivkin. He had close relationships with Rav Meshe Feinstein, Rav Yakin Kamenetsky, Rav Yitzchak Hutner, Rav Yitzchak all of the All the big names, um, Litvish and otherwise of New York at the time, were on close speaking terms with him because he was so involved in the yeshiva. And in his later years, he often attended Fabrengans. If you uh, take a look at his face over here on the screen, you might recognize him. He's frequently sitting directly behind the Rebbe. Uh, he one time told uh, some, this is a problem with uh, all of the old great Hasidim, is that, uh, is that Tmimim are terrible to them. So uh, all of the old great Hasidim, there's at least some Tmimim who want to say of the current generation who like to say that they weren't real Mkusharim, that they didn't really care about our Rebbe. They were always stuck in their old Rebbeim. He used to frequently say to students who would bother him about this that he was too close, too much of a Mekusha to the Rebbe Rashab and not enough of a Mekusha to our Rebbe. He would respond, you big Hasidim who are supposedly Mekusharim to the Rebbe, miss Fabrengans. I never miss a Fabrengan and I'm always sitting right behind the Rebbe. So who's the Mekusha? So he was uh, very proud of his Iskashos to the Rebbe despite the fact that people gave him a hard time about it. And, uh, and he passed away on, uh, in Cheshvan of 1976. So first of all, uh, the Rebbe's warmth that he has here with the Mashkir Kurchani at Vadas is partially justified by the fact that Vadas was run at the time by a Rosh Yeshiva was Lubavitcher. This is the year 1973, so Rav Rivkin would still be Rosh Yeshiva there for another, what, three or four years before he would pass. And he had been the Mashkir, he had been the Rosh Yeshiva there for going on 40 years. So we had Lubavitchers there. It was, uh, it, was, it was not a Lubavitch institution, but it was run by a close chassid of the Rebbe. That is uh, one reason for the warmth. It's not the only reason, though. We also help keep Teravadas open. This is a story a lot of people know, but for those of you who don't, and even those of, the, those of you who do and would like to hear it again, it is a fantastic story. During the war, uh, they don't know the exact year this happened. Um, people who tell the story tell it as being 1942, 43, or 44. Not sure exactly what year, but at some year during World War II, Teravadas fell into incredible debt. And they owed the bank a lot of money. And the bank called in the loan. The bank came to Teravadas and said, you owe us the money. And, uh, and, they, and we want it all back. And Teravadas couldn't pay. The bank went to court. And they got a verdict from the American court system, I guess the New York court, or the, probably the New York, probably the state court, that if they didn't pay in full by a certain period of time, that the bank could foreclose the property and could take all of their buildings away. So they were not just in debt. They were in very immediate danger of losing the entire yeshiva. 
So Terry Vadas's financial officer, he freaked out. He blamed himself completely, although that probably wasn't justified. He blamed himself completely, put ads in all the local newspapers, all the, all the Jewish newspapers, saying that they were desperate for donations. If nobody sent in money, Terry Vadas was going to have to close, not because it would be their choice to close. The bank would close them by force. And he got nothing. He got a penny here or there. No, no, nobody sent meaningful donations. Nobody had anything. One day he gets a call from the Frida Kareba. Uh, that's the way that the story is told by Tereva Vadas. I'm not sure the Frida Kareba called him. I assume the Mosquitoes called. But in any case, he gets a call from the Frida Kareba asking how much money he needs. The ad in the paper said they need money. The Frida Kareba asks how much. Now, everybody knew the Frida Kareba was not only physically unwell, but also struggling financially. The Frida Kareba is one of our great, one of the great Balecheves of the Lubavitcher Rebbeim. He uh, took great pride in it. In he talks all the time about how, well, how much pride he takes in the fact that he's constantly uh, that he's constantly accruing debt for the sake of Jews around the world. So everybody knew that he was not a, you know, a lot of Rebbes. Right? Part, part, of, part of being part of a Hasidic dynasty is that you're supposed to inherit a whole lot of money. Lubavitch has never been that way. Relatively poor. Frida Kareba poorer than any of them. Uh, so they knew he didn't have money. And they didn't expect to hear much from him, but they did tell him the number they needed. And a few days later, a chassid of the Fidik Rebbe walked in holding an envelope that contained all of the money that they needed to not foreclose. This is a story that was recorded in, uh, in, by Mayor Plotkin in one of these Here's My Stories. I just want to show you the exact words here because the words are so powerful. Apparently, somebody told this story at a big, uh, big Teravidas dinner, and here's how they told the story. The chassid who hands the envelope to the, to, to the financial officer, Terry Vadas, says the following. I have it on your screen, but I'm going to read it. The Rebbe asked that before I give you this envelope, I, invite, I advise you of some facts. When he was in Russia, when the Frida Kareba was in Russia, he had to fight against the strongest country in the world so the terror would not be extinguished. The biggest tyrant in the world was Joseph Stalin, and the Rebbe paid no attention to him. Whoever, ne whatever, whoever needed help in order to strengthen terror, he helped them. He didn't ask if it was Chabad or not. Whatever they needed, a mikvah, a kosher butcher, that's a definitely a sheikh, a teacher, he tried to supply it. He did whatever he could so the light of terror would not be extinguished. His emissaries were caught, shot, and killed. And then he had their orphans and widows to support, and he would send other people to replace the one who perished. All the while, his focus was only that Terra's light not be extinguished. And now, the Frida Kareb has been brought to the United States of America, where there's freedom of religion, and he is pained to learn that a major yeshiva with thousands of students is going to be closed down. Not because Stalin in Russia wants to get rid of Judaism, but because the Jews in America don't care. This Rebbe cannot abide. He's willing to put his own movement in danger because he also has debts to repay, but he's giving you a check now for the whole amount you need in order that terror should not be extinguished. Please repay it as soon as possible because everything the Rebbe has built up is now in danger. The end of the story is they did actually repay him quite quickly. They were able to use that money to keep the yeshiva open, and according to them, they ended up repaying the Frida Rebbe in full. But another reason why there's a real warmth between the Rebbe and Hanhala Teravidas, in addition to the fact that they had a Lubavitcher Rosh Yeshiva for 50 years, is that the Frida Rebbe was personally invested in keeping Teravidas open and put Lubavitch itself at risk to keep Teravidas open in a time when they almost had to close. Can you post the link to this, please? This, this, uh... Absolutely. It's just an incredible story. <clears throat> uh, there's other reasons, in addition to that, why the Rebbeim have a particularly close relationship with Tara Vidas. Uh, in the 1940s, uh, we know this from Rebbe Vincien Schenker. He also did an interview where he tells this story. He says that the Rebbe, who of course then was known as the Ramash, used to hold shiurim on Pesach and Sukkot, Cholamayd, geared for non-Lubavitchers. I've never heard of this before. Apparently in the 40s, the Rebbe would hold shiurim on, on Pesach and Sukkot, Cholamayd. It was geared for non-Lubavitchers in the Litvish yeshivas in the New York City area. It was less chassidus, it was more nigla. It was usually a, like a pilpo and gemara. And he says that all of the chevra from Tera Vidas would show up. It was, uh, it was packed with Tera Vidas guys. It was apparently spread by word of mouth. There weren't even flyers. It was just 
Litvish yeshiva guys would tell each other, oh, it's Cholomai, don't, don't, don't miss hearing the son-in-law of the Lubavitcher Rebbe talk Torah because it's just incredible. It became a thing and they would wait for it. And he says that every Cholomai, they would, they would send messages from yeshiva to yeshiva asking if anybody heard yet which day of Cholomai the Ramash would be speaking. Rebbe Tzian Schenker says that he was brought to this for the first time by his close friend, guess who? Rev Wilson, who the Rebbe is now writing to in this later, who later would become the Mashkiach Ruchani, and even then loved Chabad Hasidus. That's what he says, that even then Rev Wilson was interested in Hasidus Chabad. It's hard to imagine that all of this wasn't largely influenced by, uh, by Rev Meshe Deper Rifkin, uh, in, that, in the fact that all of his students, or many of his students, were so passionate about Hasidus and so interested in seeing the Rebbe, despite the fact, again, that it was a classic Litvish Yeshiva. We also have... Uh, the, I'll show you this in a second. We also have a My Story, a testimonial from Rav Meir Platkin that talks about when he was in Teravidas in the 50s, he ended up transferring to a Chabad Yeshiva in 1959, but he was in Teravidas in the 50s, and he says there that he and the other boys were strongly encouraged to learn Chitas. And he doesn't say why, but again, we might suspect Rav Rifkin as being the engineer of this, but apparently in the 50s in Teravidas, the boys there were told to learn Chitas. And uh, he says that one time his roommate got a call on the dormitory payphone from Rabbi Hadakov to tell him that the Rebbe was going to mention him by name at the oil, but only if he started saying chitas. So the Rebbe had a personal, the Rebbe had his secretary call the Teravidas dormitory on at least one occasion to check whether the students there were saying chitas. So again, we have a very strong connection between, between 770 and Teravidas. Uh, if you want to see just how close, just how warm the Rebbe's relationship is with the Hanhala there, uh, not just in writing and not just in stories, but in actual video. I'm going to do something weird this time that I don't know if it will actually show up on the recording, is I have a video clip here. There's a short video clip from 1988 where, here it is, where Rev. Wilson and also uh, one of the Rosh Kola, I believe, Rev. Villiger, both visit the Rebbe by dollars, and the Rebbe speaks to them in very much similar terms to the way that he addresses them in this letter as sources of hafatza. So uh, we're going to watch it, if you don't mind. You can see my screen, right? Okay, here, let's watch. I have it on times two speed. Let's get rid of that. Rav Moshe Wolfson, over that. So here's the Rebbe talking to Rav Moshe Wolfson, the Mashkiach, over at Teravidas and telling him that he knows that he's involved in Hafatza Samayanus and gives him a bracha that he should be able to continue with his Hafatza of the Mayanus of Chassidus. That's, uh, that's just not the way you talk to a Litvish Rashishiva. This is somebody who clearly is the Rebbe's guy on the inside. And uh, the Rebbe treats him that way. The Rebbe treats him that way in the letter that we're looking at. And the Rebbe in 1988, uh, more than a decade later, is again telling him, I'm familiar with your writings, I'm familiar with your students, I'm familiar with what you're doing over there, and, uh, and you're our guy at Teravidas. And, the, and he's saying that uh, he's giving him a bracha, complimenting him on his hafatza and, uh, and giving him a bracha for further hafatza. This suggests to me, when I put together all of these details, it suggests to me that the Rebbe always saw Teravidas as a little bit different than all the other Litvish yeshivas in New York, a place that Chabad had influence. We had a Rosh yeshiva there. We had Anhala who liked us there and were willing to spread the Rebbe's teachings there. And he saw it as a place that Chabad had a foothold and that it seems to me that the Rebbe was keeping an eye, a very close eye, on the people who were having a positive impression in Teravidas specifically. Okay, that's it for today.